I was blessed in that my truck stopped rolling. Four of the first six people to get to me were trained medical professionals that happened to be in traffic that day. One of them was an emergency room physician out of Steamboat. And um, so they, they went to work right away. This is TBI, Talking Brain Injury, with Brain Injury Alliance Colorado, sharing stories from TBI survivors and their supporters from all across the state. My name's Phil Lindemann, a mentor with BX since 2019 and four-time recipient of brain injuries I don't even remember, plus a whole lot I kind of sort of do remember. My guest this episode is Jack Taylor, a longtime resident of the Colorado High Country. His life changed forever in 1999 when he rolled his vehicle on a rural two-lane highway. I don't have any memory of the day of the crash or the month after. And so everything I'm going to tell you about this is what I've been told. Jack tells me he is lucky, not only in those minutes immediately after his rollover, but in the days, weeks, and months he spent recovering at Craig Hospital in Denver. His recovery team was firm, not uncaring, but firm, and showed him the only path to brain injury recovery is the one you choose and embrace for yourself. Today, over 20 years later, Jack is a tireless advocate for brain injury survivors. He volunteers regularly with support groups and still enjoys the little things, like skiing with his wife and the peaceful quiet of the mountains. If you did not know any better, you might never know this is his new normal. Our guests are here to share stories of recovery and what has worked for them. So please, contact your doctor for medical advice and the treatment that is best for you. It's Phil Lindemann coming back with you on the TBI podcast, Talking Brain Injury from Brain Injury Alliance Colorado. And today I'm joined by a gentleman who lives up in my neck of the woods in Summit County, Colorado. I got Jack Taylor with me. Jack, good to have you in here. Good to be here, Phil. And Jack, you live in Heaney, Colorado, which is Summit County. It, most, it, a lot of people don't know that. No, because <laughs> most people think Summit, Breckenridge, Frisco, exactly. Keystone, all those things. Tell me about Heaney. Heaney is at the north end of Summit County on Green Mountain Reservoir, and it's a it's a town that sprung up right after the dam was built, and uh, and it's primarily primarily summer cabins for uh, for folks that just are coming up in the summertime. But there are probably about 80 of us that live there year round, and it's uh, I mean it's a close community, sprawling metropolis as you described that, there it. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, and for me, you know, honestly, I don't spend too much time in Heaney other than going to Green Mountain. It's one of the few places uh, up here in the mountains that you can easily go water ski. Um, but I also know about, is good old Master Bait and Tackle still around? Actually, that was sold uh, this last summer. And uh, and it, we're not really sure what's going to happen with that, whether he's going to keep that shop open or... Uh, so it was, it was Master Bait and Tackle and Chance Liquors because there was a chance you'd be served and a chance you wouldn't. <laughs> Man, I miss those old fun mountain names. It reminds me of living in Avon, which actually still does exist because you got, um, well, Beaver Liquors. Yep. And below Beaver Liquors was Beaver Divers uh-huh. for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> you got to love those places, and especially the fact that a business like that could still exist. So, right. I mean, they're having so much fun with that Absolutely. stuff. Yeah. Um, so tell me, how long you've lived there in Heaney? It's been quite a long time. I've uh, been in Heaney for 32 years. And uh, actually, we moved in. We bought it our place in 88 and moved in in 89. Um, my first job when I came to Summit County was uh, the, I was the vice president for finance and operations for the Keystone Center. It's a nonprofit organization that does really international uh, group process work, uh, dispute resolution work. And uh, I was the numbers guy. So I walked down the hallway and people, you know, 
run into their offices and close their doors. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did you work there at the Policy Center? I was there for eight years. Okay. And then where'd you go after? After that, I decided it was time to, uh, to start something. Um, I was really interested in the work that the Keystone Center was doing, but I wasn't seeing much of that really done locally. And so I decided that uh, I needed to look into um, community mediation. And uh, there were some programs around that uh, you, could, you could look at, but there was one in particular down in Jefferson County that was really getting legs. And so I went down and talked with, uh, with the executive director down there and then uh, volunteered as a mediator with them. I, I have a, over 120 hours of training in, in mediation process. And so uh, we were doing things like noise complaints, barking dogs, you know, that kind of stuff. Mountain stuff. And I, uh, <laughs> I, I really, I thought, you know, we need this in Summit County. We have to have this. And, uh, and so I, I came back. I met with the, with the sheriff at the time, uh, Sheriff Joe Morales. And, um, and he said, well, Jack, we, we have a monthly chief's meeting. And uh, it'd be great for you to come to the chief's meeting and talk about this community mediation thing. And so I went to the chief's meeting and I talked to them about it. And uh, the chief of Silverthorne at the time uh, was a woman named Molly Franklin. And Molly just kind of cocked her head and looked at me while I was doing my presentation. And she, at the end of it, she said, Jack, I have a grant application that came across my desk that fits this perfectly. Let's talk. And that's how we got it started. And what was the name of it? It was Rocky Mountain Resource Center. Rocky Mountain Resource Center, still around these days? It is not. Oh, that's sorry to hear. Uh, what happened to it? Well, it was uh, it was founded with federal funding, and uh, I went around basically to, to all the towns and, and to the county and said, you know, this federal grant is not going to last forever. I'm going to need your support um, if we're going to be able to do free mediation. There were no ch there was no charge for any of this to people that were uh, taking uh, taking on services, and uh, and everybody said, well, you know, when your grant goes away, let's talk about that. Well, the grant went away uh, at the at the back end of a recession and so everybody said it's a great program but we can't fund it so that was that like so many things they lived and died by the dollar that's yeah, right that's too bad sad to hear that the resource center disappeared but um well you were then able to retire <laughs> and these days loving the retired life up in heaney well you know retired life in heaney is actually pretty quiet uh we just kind of watch the snow fall and uh, summertime, we watch uh, we watch people out on the lake having fun, and it's uh, it's really a blast. I got to come up and visit you sometime there in Heaney. Absolutely, come on up. <laughs> uh, but Jack, the reason that you're here today is talking about uh, traumatic brain injury. Um, I guess let's start at the very beginning. Um, did you have a history of TBI in your life? Had you hit your head as a kid, you know, playing sports, any of those sorts of things like that? I had a couple of concussions when I was a kid, but uh, nothing serious. And, um, however, that was back in the day when, uh, if you were playing football, um, you got wobbly a little bit. Uh, you didn't necessarily get to sit down. <laughs> you shake it off, walk you it just, off, that's tough exactly it out. exactly right. That's exactly right. Rub mud on it and go. And, uh <laughs> And so um, I, I had a few of those injuries. I was uh, I was a 160 pound free safety, and our uh, our front seven 
was pretty pathetic. And so I was constantly having to hit guys that outweighed me by 50 pounds running full speed. So it was, it was dangerous. <laughs> big hits, big stuff. Uh, and um, I mean, you know, I never played football, luckily, but uh, you know, soccer, I remember that was probably the first concussion I ever had. Got knocked out cold, uh, but woke up with smelling salts. But that was back in the smelling salts days. Yeah, and honestly, I remember that, was, those days. that was only 2000. <laughs> I think. So, I mean, really, it wasn't that long ago that we were still doing smelling salts to get people back in. Yeah. Um, uh, now, as an adult, did you have any head injuries before, you know, your, your biggest? No, no, not really anything that I can, that I can remember. Uh, my, my injury came from a rollover crash. I was, uh, I was on my way home from work, and um, I don't have any memory of the day of the crash or the month after. And so everything I'm going to tell you about this is what I've been told. And uh, apparently I was passing someone uh, on Highway 9 up by Ute Pass Road, and uh, there was an oncoming vehicle. So I got on my brakes to get in behind the guy I was passing. I went over too far to the right, left the highway, came back up onto the highway, but was sideways when I did it, and rolled four times. And the reason I got hurt was that the seatbelt system in the brand new blazer failed and so i was uh, every time that truck was upside down my head was bouncing off the roof and um and i was blessed in that my truck stopped rolling four of the first six people to get to me were trained medical professionals that happened to be in traffic that day one of them was an emergency room physician out of steamboat and um so they they went to work right away and took care of me uh, at the scene and uh, our, I'm, a, I'm the treasurer for our local fire department up in Heaney. And uh, the first responders were both, uh, at the time, Lake Dillon, which is now Summit Fire and EMS, and, and then Heaney showed. And uh, the two firefighters from Heaney who knew me forever didn't know it was me on the highway. The injuries were that bad. The injuries were that bad. Uh, our, our fire chief said, I've never seen a human head that big. And he, and as the, actually what they decided to do, Flight for Life was on a call that day. And so uh, an air life chopper was coming up out of Denver. And so they decided to go ahead and take me down to Frisco in an ambulance uh, to the helipad down um, by the old medical building. And... Um, and so when they loaded me in the ambulance and the ambulance pulled away, uh, the emergency room physician turned around to our fire chief and said, that guy's not going to make it to Denver. He was wrong. <laughs> and glad that he was. <laughs> there are so many head injuries related to car accident, and yours is an interesting situation because of the seatbelt failure. Right. You were, you were belted in. I was belted in, and um, the seatbelt seat kept spooling out every time that truck was upside down. And uh, apparently there was some kind of a fault in the system. And, um, you know, it's, it's unlikely that I'd have been hurt really much at all had it not been for that. Did this lead to recall? Anything like that? My mind no. goes at first to, you know, the legal stuff behind that. Well, um, we, did, we, we did take this to court and we did settle. And part of the settlement agreement is that I'm not allowed to talk about the settlement agreement. But uh, we did settle. And I was actually pretty surprised that there was no recall yeah. after that because I've heard of crashes since that had seatbelt failure. But uh, for whatever reason, 
they're not getting recalled. What year was this? This was 99. 99. And brand new Blazer. 99 Blazer? 98 Blazer? 99 Blazer. Blazer. I actually drove around in a 99 Blazer for a while. I I guess I am counting my lucky stars (laughs) that I did not roll that thing. And again, the other interesting thing about so many car accidents is that, um, like you said, uh, the memory of what happened is given to you. It's not your own. It's what people told you about things, you know, from the, the, the state you were in to the fact that even professionals were saying he ain't going to make it down there. Uh, how, uh, so, so when you were flown down, um, I guess, how long were you in hospital? I was in hospital for two months, two weeks at St. A's uh, down in Denver, and then uh, went over to Craig Hospital in Englewood and was in Craig for six weeks. And uh, the experience at Craig Hospital was just amazing. Tell me about Craig. Craig Hospital is uh, a, a hospital that focuses primarily, actually only on uh, brain injuries and spinal cord injuries. Um, they have treatment teams. So you have a, you have a neurologist, you have a, a neuropsychologist, you have um, a physical therapist and a speech therapist and a recreational therapist. And it's almost like going to school. You go from one treatment to another throughout the day and, uh, and do what you need to do. But the, the team comes together once a week to talk about the patients that they're treating as a team. And they come up with uh, the plan for the coming week, and they go from there. And so all of them know what everyone else is doing. So you, you can't play any games with them. <laughs> well, so again, I've, I've met lots and lots of TBI survivors, especially here in Colorado, who um, spent time at Craig, you know, probably spent more time at Craig than they wanted to. Oh, yeah. Um, I personally have never been. I've never been treated at Craig, never even visited the hospital. So, you know, when people tell me about their experience there, it's also brand new to me because I've never been. Well, I'm happy to arrange a visit for you. I'm still very much involved with Craig Hospital. Well, and that brings me to the th- what I just said. Lots of people spent way too much time there. You spent a lot of time there. But I, I guess tell me about your experience there and, you know, how it got you to where you are today, to 22, three some odd years down the road. Well, it, it, uh, one of the things that they do is they, they take an awful lot of time to uh, work with you on different exercises uh, to, to really begin to work your brain. And uh, my problem, uh, my, when I first went through, I was reading at a third grade level. I had, I had no short-term memory. And, um, and that was their, their biggest concern was how to make sure that that was addressed. And it turned out that uh, the real problem there was encephalitis. I'd, I had a lot of fluid on the brain. And um, after I had been there for a month, they um, actually, I was not, not a month, it was three weeks. They told my wife, we need to put a shunt in his brain to get that fluid off his brain. And once we do that, then we'll see really what kind of damage we have here. And so I had that surgery and It's funny, Phil, my my first memory after the crash was riding in a medical transport car from Porter Hospital back to Craig. I had the the surgery at Porter, and on the way back to Craig, um, I have no idea where I am. I have no idea why I'm riding in this car. And so, (laughs) so...
So I, I turned around and looked at the, at the driver, and he said, I'm new to Denver, and I'm not sure I remember where the hospital is. Can you help me out? And, and I said, no, you're on your own. And why am I in the hospital? <laughs> <laughs> oh, memory is a funny thing that way, ain't it? Oh, man. I love that the driver asked you, the recently surgerized guy, yeah. <laughs> to tell me where we're going. In Where's the hospital? <laughs> oh, it's fun. Well, it reminds me of, um, so, so I lost probably three to four days, I would say, right after my most serious incident, ran into a tree when I was snowboarding. Uh, broken arm, broke a leg, bashed my head. And um, I remember a nurse telling me at some point, first vivid memory I have is the nurse saying, oh, I bet you'll never text and drive ever again, will you? And I was like, what are you talking about? Like, I don't remember anything about texting and driving. I feel like I was snowboarding. Well, what I had been doing, and, and I started vaguely remembering this over time, I was messing around with a camera at the time. Oh. reviewing some footage from you know that we had gotten up on the hill and as we were bombing back down the hill um i just wasn't paying attention and looked up and there was the tree oh. so i guess that must have been what happened that's that's what friends tell me it was happening was that you were dicking around with the camera man and then all of a sudden there was the tree we I don't know why you didn't turn. Ooh. Well, because I was, quote, texting and driving. Yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> that nurse really, like, she confused me real bad. <laughs> Try, she, she was going a level above where my understanding was at that moment, trying to make comparisons between texting and driving and snowboarding and, uh, <laughs> and distracted snowboarding. Um, it's funny how those memory things happen. After you had the shunt done, was that the turning point? Was that when things really changed? It was the turning point. It was at that point that, uh, that my short-term memory was returning. And, um, I mean, my short-term memory was so bad that when, they, when people would come to see me at, in, in, uh, in the hospital and before I got to Craig, I would recognize them. We'd have a conversation. They'd leave, and the staff would come in and tell me, tell me about your visitor. What? I had a visitor? I had no memory of having a visitor. And my poor wife is sitting there watching this go down thinking, oh, my God, you know, what, what has happened here? So I went from that to now I could remember. And I could also remember my wife told me for the hundredth time, this is what happened to you. This is what this is where it happened. And and uh, it was finally sticking. OK, I was in a I was in a rollover crash. At this same time, did you also have physical injuries you were trying to rehab? I did. I had uh, I had a broken hand, and that was really the the primary thing. Broken. I had a broken hand, and that's why we're pretty sure that had that seatbelt system worked, I probably would would be just fine. But yeah, because it's not like you were the missile inside of the vehicle, like we hear about so many times. Right. With you know that that's one of the biggest dangers of being unstrapped in a car is that suddenly you are the deadliest thing in that vehicle during a rollover. That's right. Yeah. So. Broken hand, doing some rehab on that. But other than that, you were able to walk around. You were able to move. No. No, not so much. <laughs> no. I, uh, they quickly found out that I had blood clots in both my calves. And, um, and so they had to uh, put me on thinners to get that taken care of. And I was not allowed to walk. So I was in a wheelchair for, uh, I think it was for three weeks. And uh, not allowed to walk and uh, really had to learn to talk again, too. I was slurring my speech. And um, I notice now when I get tired that that it still happens. So you really have to 
you, have, you know, you just have to be aware that, okay, I'm, <laughs> I, I, I must need to sleep. <laughs> Funny how our bodies tell us those things, right? Yeah, that's right. <laughs> so your rehab, as it was going on, what, what sort of things do you remember most about uh, the, the, the exercises, the things that they had you do to get you back to, well, recovering speech and recovering memory and recovering? They were repetitive. And, um, and I actually toured the end of my stay there, uh, started to get a little combative because I was tired of doing the same things over and over again. And I thought, what is, what's really going on here? And I, I, I guess I started to act out a little bit in some of those therapy sessions. And I'll never forget, my neurologist came in and sat down with me and said, I understand that you're upset. And I told him what was going on. And he said, Jack, we know more about recovery than you'll ever know. And you have to trust me. We're not doing anything that's going to harm you. What I'm doing and why this is repetitive is because we're burning new circuits in your brain. We're trying to get past the areas that were, that were harmed and create new ones. And this is how we do it. And you need to understand that. He said, I'm just going to ask you, just bear with us on this. Just bear with us. And that, that was the second turning point for me because I, w- I was really starting to slide back a little bit. And, uh, and then I, I decided, okay, I really do need to trust this guy. And uh, next thing I knew, uh, three weeks later, I was being released. That's very cool. I've heard that same story, too, from some other folks about, you know, like I myself, um, my mom was telling me the other day, she was like, you were so angry that you couldn't do anything. Because I was also dealing with physical injuries, you know, broken leg, broken arm. And so a lot of people thought that that's what it was, was I was just frustrated that I couldn't move, couldn't, you know, get back to work or do whatever. Uh, But looking back on it, I would say it was probably also related to the brain injury. Mm -hmm. You know, we hear so much about mood swings and changes in mood and things that you as the victim don't realize are happening even to this day. I still don't remember how angry and aggressive and um, just kind of confrontational I got about things. Well, I don't have that going on a lot. Um, I do have it. I do have it happening on occasion. And uh, what my wife has said to me was that it, it used to take an awful lot to set you off. And that's not true anymore. I just have to understand if I'm starting to get angry, uh, I really need to just take a breath and, and you know, be in the moment. Let's, let's, let's let this pass. You know, just say to yourself, hey, yeah, okay, I'm getting angry. It's time, to, it's time to calm down. So over the years, that has worked for me. Good. A little self-awareness goes a long way. It really does. It yeah. really does. Uh, for what it's worth, I'm told I'm a nicer guy now. <laughs> <laughs> Got to look on the bright side, right? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> um, now your rehab then, you know, so once you were released, how did it continue after you left the hospital? I was uh, seeing a, a speech therapist up here in Summit County outpatient. And, uh, and then I was seeing my neurologist uh, twice twice a year for probably two years, uh, going down and just uh, checking in, uh, doing some 
memory tests to see whether or not there, you know, there's any backsliding, any of that kind of thing. Um, those tests are were, were, were something. You know, one in particular, they read a list of, of random words, and then they ask you to repeat back what you heard. And so you do that. And so there might be 10 words, and, uh, and they're all over the place. And you, you, so you, you tell them what you remember, and they, you know, they write down what you, what you did. And then you do something else for about 10 minutes. And then they come back to... You remember that list? Tell me what you remember. And when you're at the front end of your healing process, or for me anyway at that time, I was remembering maybe two or three words. And then as you're going through this day after day, they repeat that test. And that's how they that's how they really know whether or not you're you're making any improvement in, uh, on that particular aspect of your your brain injury. Whether you're burning those new circuits in, yeah, right? Yeah, some of those things. Yeah, uh, that test sounds hard right now. <laughs> like, I don't know if I want to take that test. I feel like I'd fail. <laughs> well, it's funny. My sister came from. Uh, she lives back in New Jersey, and she she came out uh, when I was in the hospital. And uh, they were testing me in my room at uh, at the hospital at at uh, St. A's, and she was sitting outside the door, listening. And so uh, the woman that came in to do the test, it was one of those word tests, and she said, "Okay, I'm I'm going to give you a list of words." And and so they she did that, and then she asked me what I remembered, and I told her. And my sister said, "I'm sitting in the hallway thinking, oh my God, he remembered more words than I did." <laughs> 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 oh, that's great. Uh, that's great. Well, I had to ask you, especially because you live up here and you have lived up here for such a long time. Um, tell me about going through treatment, especially those initial uh, years of treatment up here in a rural area like Summit County. And even back then when Summit County was much different, when resources were even further scattered than mm-hmm. they are. Because that's, you know, that's one thing that we've been hearing so much right now, um, even today, is that healthcare is very difficult to come across. Uh, all these sorts of things about, you know, people traveling many, many miles, hundreds of miles to get services. Mm -hmm. Did you deal with that? Well, we didn't really have to that much. You know, I I was, uh, my speech therapist was here in in Frisco. Mm -hmm. And um, that's, you know, a 35-minute drive out of Heaney. It's not a big deal. On the physical side of things, uh, I had to be careful about how I was ramping up any cardiovascular work. And that was primarily because of the shunt in my brain. They wanted to make sure that I was not uh, getting my pulse rate up uh, more than 120, 130 beats a minute during any exercise for probably for about three or four months. And then it was, okay, now you can begin to increase those kinds of things. Um, But we, you know... We live in, in a slice of heaven up here, so getting out and, and getting the exercise that I needed was really not a big deal. Okay. Well, good to hear it. Good to hear it. Yeah, I feel like I've had a similar experience. I'm lucky that my injury was also many years after yours. Mm-hmm. Um, happened to happen over in the Vale area where some of the best orthopedic surgeons in the entire world are based. Yep. So my, my physical recovery really not too bad at all. The The brain recovery, it was great to know that there was resources out there. And so it was relatively easy to find. Um, although I will admit, 
I didn't personally pursue much of it beyond the mandated, you know, this is what you need to do to make sure that you Mm -hmm. can walk again sort of stuff. Right. So who knows? Maybe it would have been more difficult if I had, you know, tried uh, harder to find some of those resources like oh you know i've never had a neuropsych eval i've never gone Mm -hmm. through speech therapy i've never gone through some of these other things that i know folks say it it can be you know they're traveling many many miles to go to um but i would hope that if i did need it i could find it relatively easy well i think you're right there more there's more of that now than there was back in 99 in 2000 and um and i think there's more awareness now of the of just really how serious brain injuries can be and and not necessarily a, a severe traumatic brain injury i mean you you can have a mild concussion and it can the effects can last for a very long time well, and speaking of those resources too um i feel like that's probably the first place we met was through the centura group that's just here at st anthony's in frisco it was it yeah. was the, the it was the summit county brain injury support group tell me about your involvement with them it has been uh it, it it's been off and on uh, over the last probably three or four years and uh, most of that was just because when i was when i was working uh there were uh, conflicts scheduling conflicts with things i needed to do for work versus when that group was meeting uh occasionally i could get past that but uh, the thing that I really enjoy about it is giving back. And uh, there are folks here who are genuinely suffering from the effects of, of brain injuries, various brain injuries. And to be able to go to those meetings and to, and to help support them, you know, uh, it's especially a powerful, I think, if they're going through something that you know you went through. And, and it's, really, it's really good to be able to say, you know, I don't know if this will work for you, but this is what worked for me. And uh, I think people get a lot out of that. Yeah, it reminds me of I was just down at the uh, BIAC conference uh, in early November, and uh, the, the topic that I spoke on was um, peer support, lived experience, the importance of having people around you who mm-hmm. have been through the same thing. Because family is important, right? Doctors, experts, those people are mm-hmm. all important. But sometimes you can push back against them because they don't know what you're going through. Right. That's why it's great to have some people around you that know what you're going through. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, you know, again, it's, it's one of those things that, that uh, a lot of times folks just really don't understand. And uh, I can't tell you how many times I've heard over the years, Jack, I can't tell anything happened to you. Well, you didn't know me before 1999. <laughs> you know, and, and yeah, there are some, there are some differences here. And, uh, you know, I think one thing that one thing that's a major part of my life now is just basically uh, being quiet, <laughs> listening yeah. and, and really trying to pay attention to what's going on around me. And and I, I mean, I did quite a bit of that in my in my role as as a mediator and, and a group process facilitator. It's not like that was brand new to me, but uh, but focusing on the moment is something that is relatively new you know i think we all spend a lot way too much time worrying about the future or regretting the past and not necessarily living in the moment and using this moment to set up the next is really what it comes down to and i think uh, that that realization has really brought a lot for me really has you should write a book 
<laughs> well, it's funny you should mention that. I'm, uh, I, I'm about halfway through writing a memoir about this recovery. And, uh, and uh, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I've, I've been doing this for, for a while. And I'll, I'll sit down and, and write for a month and just write and crank and write. And then it sits for three or four months. And then, and then you come back to it again. But uh, I actually was, uh, I was being coached to do this about three years after I was, I was hurt. And, uh, and folks said, you know, you really need to, you need to talk about your recovery because your recovery has been amazing. And, and I have to agree with them. It has been, I'm blessed. And, uh, and so I, I had about six chapters written. I had it on my laptop and I went down to a conference in Boulder and, uh, checked into my hotel room and when I got to my hotel room I realized I left my laptop in the lobby and I got down to the lobby and my laptop was gone and I did not have that book backed up oh so Jack as a professional writer that is (laughs) gut-wrenching that is a stab to the heart for me I know how that feels to lose (laughs) the work that you did like that day let alone six chapters of a memoir oh my god that was that was hard that was hard, and, and then I stopped. I just, I'm not doing that again. That was too much work. I'm not doing it again. And, um, and then over the years, just different experiences and, and realizing that there are ways um, to, to give back to the, the whole idea of brain injury support is, I think, is critical. And now that I don't really have to worry about anything else because I'm not working, I can sit down and, and, and really spend some time getting back into this. And, and, you know, a big part of it is that you, when you have these gaps, and you know this as a writer, when you have these gaps, and so you, you sit down and say, okay, let me read what I've written so far just so I can get back into the flow. And next thing you know, you're changing everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's the truth. So some completely unsolicited advice from a writer. Yes. The first draft, just write it. Don't go back. Don't worry about whether it makes sense. Don't worry about anything. And this goes for anybody who might be considering writing a memoir about their experience. First draft, just write it. Write a new page every single day. And don't worry if it makes any damn sense. Because (laughs) making sense is what the second draft is all about. I've done that exact same thing, mostly with fiction writing. Is that, you know, I will put aside a story for a while and then I've got a great idea about how to wrap it up or the next character or something. And I go and I write that thing. I'm like, oh, well, that doesn't fit at all with what I had before. So I go back to the thing before. It's literally like trying to run a marathon by taking two steps back for every one step forward. No. You never finish the marathon if you're doing the hopscotch. You know? So that, that would be my one piece of advice, Jack. Is, well, thank yeah. you. For, thank you for that. I, I, I do appreciate that. And, and that's not the first time I've heard that. But right. it, so I know it must be it must be true, Phil. <laughs> well, and I know lots of folks have actually gone through the, that same exercise. Who recommended you you write a memoir friends family or was it maybe even doctors people it was doctors and uh and friends and uh and a couple of family members said you know write write about this this is uh you've got something important to say and and people need to be able to do what you did 
I, I can't wait to read it when it's finished. I can't wait to get your copy. With. <laughs> I can't wait to have it finished, I'm sure. <laughs> um, well, my last question for you, Jack, then, was because obviously you live in Summit County, Colorado, in the mountains, and most people associate that with skiing. How did this impact that side? You're a skier, right? I am a skier. Yeah. And uh, it, it, it did have an impact, but it was not not a terribly serious impact. I uh, I ended up I I could not ski for a year after the after the injury, and then when I got back into it, it was okay. Let's let's just take our time with this. Um, before I was hurt, we would we would ski bumps a half a day, and then get up into um, you know double black diamond kind of terrain and just just get after it uh i don't do that anymore <laughs> you mitigate the risk a little uh, yeah, bit <laughs> mitigate the risk and you know it's uh we have just so much intermediate cruising skiing out here that is just fantastic uh, in in just about every ski area and so it it uh that's what we do i love it uh who do you get out and ski with most these days i ski with my wife my uh my 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 spousal unit who uh when i when i met her she was a club racer back east um and i had been on skis three times in my life and i was trying to keep up and obviously that was just not working and we got down to the bottom of the hill this was in vermont and uh she skied over to me and with this just cute smile and said jack you, you see that log cabin over there that's where we're eating lunch. See ya. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I like her. I like her. We got to meet sometime. Oh, man. We'll uh, make that happen. Are, are you still chasing to catch her? Actually, I chase her on hard pack. She chases me in the powder. All right. So Good. Flip the script just a little bit. Just a little bit. I actually decided it was time to take lessons when I got out here to Colorado. And it happened that most of those lessons were happening on powder days. And so uh, I, I, I just, I, the deeper the better for me, uh, not so much for her. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. I love it. Um, Jack, any last thoughts that you had or even last bits of uh, advice, if you feel like giving any to folks that have been in similar situations, car accident or even unrelated TBI? Well, the one thing that I would say is that you cannot allow yourself to be down about the change that has happened to you. It's happened. And so now what do I do is really the way that you have to approach this. Uh, one of the reasons that I healed as quickly as I did in Craig Hospital was because I woke up every morning and the first thing I did was say to myself, what can I do today to be better? Not to be healed, but to be better. And, and then make sure that that happened during the course of the day. And I think that mindset, it just is so powerful as we move forward in life. You know, wake up in the morning, be grateful for what you have, and then just ask, what is it that I can do that will take me to the next step forward? And be patient because not everything you try is going to be successful. But an awful lot of what you try will be because you tried. Again, you should write a book. 
<laughs> no, no, great advice. It reminds me of some words that I heard from a good friend one time, too, that every single morning you should wake up and choose to be here. That's she, great. She that's ended a, it with that. Man. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. Jack, I appreciate you making time to come in and talk a little bit, especially about your injury and your recovery and rehab. And I think it's inspiring, especially to see many, many years down the road, how you have embraced the the term that everybody hates, the new normal. The new normal for you is the normal. It is the normal. And, and it took a while to get to realize that, but here I am. <laughs> Well, great, Jack. Can't wait to get out on the slope sometime soon. And um, your wife's name? Anne-Marie. Anne-Marie. I'll probably be chasing her on the hard pack, too. She sounds fast. <laughs> she sounds serious. She has, uh, she's actually calmed down as we've okay. gotten older. But, uh, but I, I, can, I can just remember seeing, seeing the tail end of her more than... <laughs> <laughs> Not always the worst place to be. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm talking to Jack Taylor here on TBI Talking Brain Injury from Brain Injury Alliance, Colorado. Jack, really appreciate your time. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Phil. Appreciate it. Great to have you here.